Welcome to Life Happens, where Texans come to protect their legacy and prepare for the second half of life. Join your host, attorney Kim Hegwood of Your Legacy Legal Care and our weekly guest as we navigate the challenges that emerge as life happens. Now here's your host, Kim Hegwood. Good morning and welcome to Life Happens with me, Kim Hegwood, and our very special guest today is Ashley O'Sullivan with Care Patrol. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Kim? I'm great. I'm a huge fan of Care Patrol, so I'm super glad to have you on the show today. And so and today we're going to talk about how to find the best assisted living in Houston, because I think that's important for people, especially my listeners who, you know, are, are thinking about going to, you know, to assisted living, you know, getting out of the house, maybe independent living, assisted living, memory care kind of stuff. They like to transition. So but today we're going to talk about assisted living. So let's kind of get started. And um, can you tell our listeners uh, the different types of assisted living facilities in Houston? And so, you know, how you distinguish them, you know, um, A and B, large, small care homes, all that kind of stuff. Can you just kind of give us the uh, give us the goods? Yeah. Yeah. So in Houston, there are um, your licensed home, your licensed communities, and then you also have unlicensed communities. I kind of focus on the licensed ones because that's really important. We want to know that the state's in there and they're observing and they know what's going on. So the state gives out type A and type B licenses, and that can be for a big community or a small community, like a personal care home. The difference between A and B, um, A, your residents are going to be able to exit in the event of an emergency with just verbal cueing. Hey, Miss Smith, um, we need to evacuate the building. There's a fire in the kitchen. And Miss Smith can get herself out of the building without assistance. And then she doesn't typically need overnight care. So that means you know, when it's nighttime, it's sleep hours. Most of the time, residents don't need a whole lot of assistance. Um, your type B, those are going to be your communities where in the event of an emergency, your um, they, they may need a little bit of cueing, direction, guidance to evacuate if there is a fire or a hurricane or something like that where they, they need to make some, um, you know, get out of the community or find shelter within the community. They need assistance. Somebody's going to have to help them do that. And then typically they also need help, you know, during sleep hours. So there's going to be more staff members um, present at nighttime to help with those uh, overnight needs. Um, you're, you have large and you have small. So your large communities typically have residents between maybe 40 to over 100 in some cases or some very big communities. Um, and those are fantastic uh, opportunities for folks that really like socialization and um, transportation is important to them, activities, things like that. And then you have your small communities, which are typically your personal care homes. And sometimes those communities are actually residential homes that have kind of, I like to say, been retrofitted to um, into an assisted living community. Typically, they only have eight to 16 residents, but some um, personal care homes are actually built to be assisted living, and they kind of fit um, just a different niche of residents that uh, maybe need a little bit more care, but don't necessarily want to live in a really big community. They want, I guess, smaller staffing ratios. So when you're trying to decide, you know, which one to go to, how do you compare them? And um, I mean, because, you know, you talked about a few things here, but, you know, so it's like I'm taking mom and dad and, or mom or dad or grandma, or grandpa or something. And they're like, okay, well, 
how do we determine which one's better for my family? So everyone is different. It's going to come down to um, preferences, really. So if we're looking and say mom or dad, they they need a lot of care needs. Maybe they're bed bound. They can't, can't get themselves out of bed. Maybe they have frequent issues with incontinence. Maybe they have a, a really advanced dementia and a bigger setting can be very scary. Um, smaller in those situations is probably going to work out better because there's more opportunity for one-on-one -on -one care. The staffing ratios are typically a little bit smaller. The community is a little bit smaller. So we're not overwhelmed when we transition into, you know, the, the, a new community, a new living and a new routine. Um, the larger communities are really good for our seniors who are still very active and social. And those things are important. Having a group of friends, having a peer group to, uh, to be around, to, to, you know, share their experiences and, and, and go through the grieving process with each other. Cause in most cases we'll find that, you know, a, a spouse has deceased or maybe we don't, some of our friends have passed or there's a lot of things going on and having people to connect with is really important, especially for somebody who's still very much um, alert and aware and, and wanting to have those connections with other people. And so uh, so let's kind of switch just a little bit. And so, uh, and let's talk about maybe some, something a little different. So is it important for uh, families to have someone close, not close, close to the hospitals, um, cost? What kind of things do you, do you talk to uh, you know, new clients coming in going, hey, we need some help, you know, finding a place, you know, for our mm -hmm. family member. And so, so what kind of things, you know, should we be thinking about beyond the type of facility? So first and foremost, for me, because I, I am a, a registered nurse. So the biggest aspect is going to be care capabilities. So if we have someone who's needing a lot of care, we want to make sure that the community is going to be able to facilitate that type of care. So I think those are some really big questions to ask, you know, can, if they have fully, can they, you know, manage somebody that has a fully catheter? What does that look like? Um, if they have insulin, can they manage somebody that is needing insulin injections? And, and what does that look like? Um, but then outside of that, it's going to be cost too. We want to make sure that the cost it remains in budget. You can call a place and get a tour, but once you get there and you spend the time and then you find out it's way outside of budget, that can be very disheartening. And, and if that's our first experience with an assisted living community, then they, you know, it, it may just be overwhelming and they don't want to continue and they feel like they're completely in the weeds. But then with cost as well, it's important to know if the community has levels of care. So there, there can be a base level, a uh, base rate, and then that can go up as the care needs go up for that, um, for that resident. And sometimes that can make it um, kind of kick it outside of their budget. And then there are some that are all inclusive, which is really nice. So the rate you're given is, is the rate that you're going to receive. And you don't have to worry about the unknown of level of care after they do their nursing assessment. Um, and I travel, I think if they offer transportation, how far do they go? You know, do they only go within five miles? Do they go within 10? Can they continue to see their primary care doctors outside of the community? And if they can, um, 
does family need to meet them there or will they send a caregiver with them to uh, participate in that appointment? Um, and then with physicians, there are a lot of communities that actually have visiting physicians. And if it's not important to keep a primary care doctor and it's a little bit more convenient, easier on mom or dad to go under service with a physician's group that's already in the community, that's a really important thing to ask. And then to see what kind of insurance they take to make sure they're in network. Um, and that food, that's always important. If you can go and you can have, if you find a community, you love it, go back, have lunch, make sure the food is good. Cause I mean, that's, that, that, that is everything that's important for me. And I try to make sure that all of my clients have lunch, um, and then safety. So we are in Houston, hurricanes happen, flooding happens. Are they in a flood zone? Do they have a backup generator? So just a, a week and a half ago, we had that big storm. People lost power and, and some communities didn't have an operating generator and they lost power and it it got very uncomfortable in the, in the building pretty quickly with the heat. So it's important to know what kind of safety measures they have in place and, um, and make sure that, you know, everything, uh, if they have, you know, what their safety protocols are for, for their residents. Well, I tell everybody to go right about, take the tours right about 11 so that they, like I said, because they're always going to feed you, you know, and so, you know, because you want to know if the food's good because you never want to move in with the food's good. But I never once thought about the backup generator, you know, and so because I know how easy it is. Um, I talked to my sister on the way here. She says we lost electricity this morning as I was on my way out the door. And um, and so it hurt just at her house. And um, so I think it's really important to, um, you know, that's a good question to ask that I hadn't even thought about asking. And so um, definitely, um, I, I really appreciate that information. And so, <laughs> and, uh, so we always, always tell clients when they're going to, you know, to new facilities that they should, you know, ask a lot of questions. They mm -hmm. should go at different times of the day. Uh, I usually tell clients, you know, go during the day, during the week, you might go during the weekend, you might go towards the evening, talk to other family members that are mm -hmm. there that have someone, because I think it's important to, you know, to really kind of ask around, so to speak. And so, so, so what kind of things do you, questions do you have families ask, you know, when they're touring a, an assisted living facility? So kind of back to like care, um, what, what are their ratios like? Like what, what's turnover like with their caregivers? Um, what's the, what's the, the day in the life of the residents? What are their, what's their activity schedule? Um, what are some things that people really, really enjoy? And then how are my clients going to be able to find their niche? So if there's something I had one client, he was an artist and he loved painting and they used to do, um, uh, like a wind down Wednesday type paint with a twist class, but they mm -hmm. had since stopped, but it was very important for him. He, he taught art. So that was one thing is, you know, can he teach a class at the community? And absolutely. So finding ways to where, how, how are they going to get involved and how are they going to make this their home? Um, because that's what it is. So let's find some things that are really going to make it more personal. Um, and then, uh, meals schedule house how is that you know do if we have somebody who maybe doesn't like getting up in the morning but you know they're going to want breakfast you know, do can they accommodate that any special diet specifically like if they need a cardiac diet because they have heart disease or if they need a chopped or a pureed um diet you know how how are they able to accommodate 
do they have those sit down meetings with the residents to make sure that they're kind of fulfilling what they want in their meals? Um, and, and, and then like uh, proximity to like their, their loved ones, how often can they visit? What are the visiting hours? Most places have kind of done away with that, especially with COVID. It was like really strict. You had a, you can only come at such and such time, but now most of the communities are, are open and you can come as, as you know, when you please, you just maybe have to call in advance to make sure that somebody's going to be able to let you in if it's, you know, in the later evening. But those are some really important questions that I like my, my clients to, to ask. And then even pharmacy, like what pharmacy do they use to have their medications come in and making sure that those are in network with the insurance that they have? So I guess the big question we should probably be asking right now is, um, so, cause our listeners been listening to some excellent information. And um, so talk to them about what an assisted living advisor is and how, how they can help you. Well, an assisted living advisor, such as Care Patrol, is going to be your expert in, um, in in this in kind of in the senior arena, right? So we know the communities. We're in and out of the communities all of the time. We know who has. Um, Maybe, maybe had an issue with their state licensure and they're working to rectify it. We know um, who, what, what the costs are, if anybody's having any specials, incentives, and what, what the budget is. We know the residents. And I think that's really important because we're there so much. We know what the kind of what the atmosphere is like. Are, are the residents happy? Are, do we not really see them when we come to tour? And those are things that we, we kind of notate. Um, and then also a resource. So your senior living advisor is going to be somebody who has a large network of information. It's not always just assisted living we're looking for. In most cases, there are other areas of, of help that we need. Sometimes it's home health. Sometimes it's legal. Sometimes it's financial and we're trying to figure out mom's estate. Sometimes we just need a little bit of extra help with home care or, or some other, or other things durable medical equipment, you know, maybe we, we're leaving the hospital and we, we need a bed and we need it within 24 hours. I know who I can call to get that, to make sure that we are able to move in and, and, and be very successful. So this, the, your advisor is going to be able to help from start to finish and then also be a resource as, as you go on. Um, they're always going to be available and they'll tell you that, that any questions after moving a year from now, call, we're always here. And that's really important to just always know you have that resource to fall back on because you're not in it alone. Somebody's always there. Somebody always has your back. And that's something that your senior living advisors are always going to want you to know. So perfect. You did that very well. <laughs> and so, and uh, cause I know y'all do a really good job. And so, so super excited. So if our listeners on there on the call today and they want to find you so they can, you can help them. How do they do that? Well, they can call or text me at my phone number, which is 936-249-2402. I always have my phone. I'm very easy to get in touch with. Um, or email at aosullivan at carepatrol.com. Again, always checking my email. Very, very easy to get in touch with. And always happy to, even smallest question, biggest question, anything, I'm, I'm here as a resource. Perfect. All right, Ashley, thanks so much for being on the call today. Good information. I even learned something new today, which is really phenomenal. So that's always good. And, uh, and so we look forward to having you on the show again soon. Awesome. Thank you, Kim. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Life Happens with Kim Hegwood. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 10 a.m. wherever you listen to your podcast as we navigate through the challenges that emerge as life happens. The content of this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship or constitute attorney-client privilege, legal, medical, financial, or any other professional advice.